0: Him. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians 5 tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is where we're going to begin. Last week we started looking at a, at a subject and, and I told you at the outset that this is, this is a subject really, there's more to it than we're probably going to cover from the pulpit here, but I'm trying to kind of get our minds thinking in a certain direction and really I'm trying to encourage and challenge you to search the scriptures and really search your own heart and allow the Lord to search your heart about where you stand in regard to this issue. And last week, we I preached to you a message entitled, Holy Sanctified, and it came from this verse where we're going to begin tonight, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you're able to stand with me, would you stand as we read this one verse of scripture together, two verses really as we honor the Lord's word and we will read first Thessalonians 5 beginning in verse 23 the Bible says here and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly." and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and then he says in verse 24 faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Let's have a word of prayer as we get into the message tonight. Father, uh, would you open our eyes to your truth this evening? Uh, Help us, Lord, to understand this very important subject as we try to understand who we are in light of of you and your word and your expectation for us. And Lord, would you give me the wherewithal to communicate your truth from your word? And Lord, help us to see this subject through, through the scriptures. And uh, not just man's opinion, but Lord, what your word has said. And would you help us, Lord, to be wholly sanctified, wholly given over to you, set apart for your glory in every way. I pray for all of your people here tonight that we would, as we sang about uh, a few moments ago, that we would be pressing on, that we would be gaining higher ground, that we would be growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which would also, in turn, give us greater knowledge and understanding of ourselves and who we are in Christ. And Lord, for anyone who is here tonight that does not know Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray that You would help them them to see themselves as You see them tonight, and that they would realize their need for a spiritual rebirth that they would be born again and enter into your family and be sanctified for your glory. We ask all these things now in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> Last week, we just touched on this subject, verse 23, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I spent some time just talking about the importance of giving God everything. And not only, not trying to, in our minds, divorce the spirit from, uh, from the body or the physical world and life that we live in, but understanding that as born again believers, children of God, that everything that we have belongs to Him. Not only our our spirit, not only our soul uh, that He saved at the moment of our salvation, but even our body. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number 6, right, that our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in us, which we have of God, and we are not our own, for we are bought with a price. And then it says, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We, all, all of us, all of me belongs to God. Everything. And so that should affect the decisions that I make, not only in regard to my spiritual life, but also my physical life, that the the decisions I make ought to be in submission to the will of God, understanding that God owns me, all of me. And tonight I want to just kind of carry that thought forward a little bit more as we consider what it really means to be a three-part being. Notice he said there in verse 23, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And m- m- you know, most, most Christians probably understand this, but a lot of the world does not understand this. You are actually not just a physical being. You're not just a body. You are not just a soul. You are a three-part being created in the image of God, spirit, and soul, and body. Now, here, here is one area, by the way, that uh, atheists, evolutionists fail to really understand uh, who we are and our makeup. Because if when you approach life from a naturalistic point of view, and you basically assume that man is just... A physical being, just like an animal or a plant, or whatever the case is, it's just a, a series of of chemical reactions a a, a a mixture of a bunch of different cells that happens to live and function for a period of time. There are some very important unanswered questions, like if we are just a a random chance of of science and and this you know just physical being, then what do you do with issues like emotions and love and joy and pain and heartache and all of these different things? We understand that 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 doesn't answer the question. And God has answered the question for us and he's, he's told us. He's clearly uh, showed us in His Word that we are not just a body. We are actually spirit and soul and body. Now, go with me, if you would, back to Genesis chapter number 1. And I want to show you that this is actually something that is revealed pretty early on in the Bible, that man is different than the rest of creation. Man is different than the rest of creation. I want to begin at the very beginning of the bible genesis 1 and verse number 1 these first 3 verses reveal something to us about god and who god is genesis 1 verse number 1 says in the beginning god created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of god ...moved upon the face of the waters. Verse number 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Did you know that the very first three verses in the Bible reveal to us that God is a trinity? It says that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. We're introduced to God. Verse 2 tells us that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And verse 3, God said... And the Bible tells us over in the book of John, chapter 1, that Jesus, the Son of God, is the Word of God that was made flesh. And it also says that all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And so from, from the very beginning of the Bible, we see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We go down just a little bit further in verse number 26. I want you to notice it says here, and God said let us make man in our image after our likeness now this is a a very somewhat of a confusing and challenging subject for us to uh, approach and address because we understand that god is one and yet we also understand that god exists in three persons the father the son and the holy ghost and the bible tells us 1 john Chapter 5, that these three are one. And as man tries to understand that and illustrate that, we always fall short in our understanding. But this is how God has revealed himself. He is one God existing in three persons that are distinct and yet equal. Father, and Son, and Holy Ghost. And as his final act of creation, he made man. He made man distinct from all other creation because he said that man was made in God's image. We even find plural pronouns here as God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. I believe that this is the Lord actually distinguishing and showing that this creation is going to be different than the rest of creation. Verse number 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. We go over to chapter 2 and look at verse number 7. It says, And the Lord God formed, formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And here's what we find about man from, from the very beginning of the Bible, from the very beginning of history... All the way to where we are today, mankind is different than all the rest of creation. Mankind is the only creation of God that has the ability to interact with God on a personal level. Mankind is the only creation of God that actually has intellect, the ability to reason The ability to learn and to make decisions and mankind is the only creation of God that has a free will to choose right from wrong, good from evil. We're different. We're different because we're created in the image of God. God reveals himself as a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he created man in his image and we are told that man is spirit and soul and body. Now here's what happens, a lot of times, especially people who don't know the Lord or, or don't have a biblical worldview, a lot of times they only look at life through the eyes of the physical and maybe to some degree will recognize that there is a, uh, a, a person side of, of life as well, what we would call the soul Uh, the center of our emotions and our desires. And and you can put two people together, they can be raised exactly the same way in the same home, and they're all going to be just a little bit different. We all have our unique fingerprint, don't we? This is something that God has done. Uh, We've got seven children. All seven of our children raised in our home, same parents, same methods of of training, same church they're raised in, same school curriculum for the most part they've been through, and they're all different. Their personalities are different, their wills are different, their desires, their likes and dislikes, they're all different. Why? Because they're not just bodies, they are souls. Just like you're a soul. But then the biblical understanding is we are not even just body and soul, but we also have a spirit. And that spirit interacts with God. I've described it this way before. It may not be an absolutely perfect example, but I think this illustration kind of helps us to understand the concept of spirit and soul and body and who we are. We could say it this way, our spirit is that which understands and interacts with God. This is the reason, by the way, that being spiritually dead in our trespasses and sins separates us from God. Prior to salvation in Christ, we are separated, we're cut off from God because we're dead in our trespasses and sins. We have no access to God. You remember Adam and Eve's sin? The first thing they did when they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden, what did they do? They hid themselves because sin separates between us and God. God even said, your iniquities in the book of Isaiah have have separated between you and your God. And and, and your sins have hid his face from you. And so, so sin separates us from God. And this is why Jesus said to Nicodemus, ye must be born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was confused about that. You remember? He said, well, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus had to explain to him. Well, there's a difference between that which is fleshly and that which is spiritual. He said that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And he's saying if you you want to know God, if you want to be in the presence of God, if you want to go to heaven, there must be a time in your life where you are born again spiritually because until you are born again, until you have been saved, you are separated from God because of sin. And our spirit is that which understands and interacts with God. I think we could say it this way, it is our soul that knows, understands, and interacts with other people. Have you ever fallen in love with someone? I know I have. She's not even nodding, I don't know, I don't get it. But anyway, when you you fall in love with someone, we use that term, I know that's that's kind of a silly term in a lot of ways. But when you love someone and you're drawn to them, it's not just their physical looks that attract you to them, though you may be attracted to that, but it's their personality. It's who they are. It's the way that they think and, and, and commonalities that you have. And there are some people that you just kind of click with more than others. You, why? We're all souls, And our souls interact with other people's souls. We're we're distinct and different. We have a spirit and we have a soul. And then we have a body. And our body is that which interacts with the world around us. We've got our five senses. We can see and we can hear and we can touch and we can taste and we can smell. And and it's our body that kind of connects us to the physical world that we live in. But as we spoke about this morning from, uh, from from 2 Corinthians there where Paul is talking about groaning and desiring to be be unclothed from this physical earthly tabernacle or house that he lives in and being clothed with that heavenly home, we understand that the body that we live in is really just a temporary dwelling place while we're here on this earth. I remember that, uh, that I had this realization as a young child, I, I can still, I could take you to the very place, I was walking through our house as a little kid, and I, I don't remember what it was, I, I, I reached down and I picked something up, and I looked at my hand, and I thought, you know, it's interesting, this body is not me. I mean, inside of the body is me, but the body is just a body. I mean, I could be in a terrible accident and totally disfigured and look entirely different. Or I could dye my hair or shave my head or I could do all kinds of different things and changing my appearance and changing things about my body doesn't change who I am. Because the body is, that, is just that. It's a body, but it's not really me, right? I, I, I am someone else. The body is just part of me. It's just part of who I am. And so this is, this is the way that God designed us. We're not just a one-part or even a two-part being. We are a trinity, in a sense, like, like God. We're created in the image of God, and we are spirit and soul and body. And as we talked about last week, God wants all of it. And he wants us to be holy, sanctified, given over to him, not just in one area or in, in, in certain ways, but in every way. But tonight I want to show you that our spirit and our soul and our body, though they are distinct and separate, actually are more interconnected than we may realize. Your your physical body is actually more a part of you than you might realize, and it has more of an effect on your spiritual life than you might realize. And the opposite is also true your spiritual life has more of an effect even on your emotional well-being and your physical well-being than you might realize. I want to show you a couple examples of this in Scripture. If you'll go with me, James chapter number 5, James chapter 5. And I want to show you an example of one way that your spiritual life can affect your physical life. James chapter 5. Verse number 14. It says here, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick And the Lord shall raise him up, listen to this, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. Now this is a really interesting situation and somewhat of a touchy subject, but I'm just going to touch it anyway, okay? The reality is that sometimes, understand that word, sometimes, not every time, But sometimes, chronic illness is a result of spiritual problems. Sometimes, chronic illness is a result of sin problems. And I've seen people that have been in the bonds of bitterness, and anger, and hatred, or living some kind of a wicked, ungodly lifestyle, that are affected physically... As a result of their sin. Now I'm not saying to you that if you deal with chronic illness. I know we've got some in in the room tonight that you do. This is not me accusing you of sin. I'm not saying that. But I am saying this. That if you are living a lifestyle that's not pleasing to God. Or you have sin that has not been dealt with in your life. It is possible for that to begin to affect you physically. And that seems to be what James is talking about here. There are times that someone is sick because of sin in their life, and the way to deal with that sickness is not just to go to the doctor and get more medication, but to go to the Lord and repent and get things right with Him and His church. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And that, I mean, that's just that's what it says. And by the way, we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 11... That that there were some people there that were partaking of the Lord's Supper and they were doing so unworthily with sin in their heart. They weren't examining themselves. They were treating it lightly. And and the Bible says that many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. God God was not going to put up with that. Here they are disobeying the Lord and it had an effect on them physically. Let me just say this to you. If you find yourself in a time of sickness, it very well may be physical, and I would never accuse or expect or try to point the finger and say, hey, this is your fault because of some sin issue. That's between you and God. But I would say this, if you find yourself dealing with chronic illness, it's worth checking. (laughs) Lord, is there something that I need to get right? Maybe our first call ought to be to the Lord before the doctor. Now, is it possible to be sick and not to be spiritually sick? Of course it is. I think of the Apostle Paul who had that affliction in the flesh and, 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 and that messenger of Satan to buffet him, he said, and he said, I besought the Lord thrice for this thing that it would depart from me. And the Lord's response was, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. In other words, God was... Bringing weakness into his life so that he would depend upon the Lord. That's very much a possibility. I'm just saying, spiritual problems can't affect you physically. Let me show you another example. Mark chapter number 5. Mark chapter 5. And here's a a famous situation in the Bible. Mark chapter 5, verse number 1. It says, "...and they came over unto the other side of the sea." Into the country of the Gadarenes, and when he was come out of the ship immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and No man could bind him no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had uh, had been broken or i 'm sorry the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him, and always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Now, if we put this man in modern-day America, we would diagnose him with a mental disease, would we not? We would look at him, and, and I don't know, maybe the psychiatrist, maybe the doctors would say he's a... Paranoid, schizophrenic. Maybe, maybe there would be some other kind of a diagnosis. Most of us lay people would probably say, he's crazy. He is out of his mind. He needs help. It was a mental problem, right? But it wasn't just a mental problem. It was a spiritual problem. because it says he had an unclean spirit. And of course then the Lord deals with that. He casts these unclean this unclean spirit, in fact these many unclean spirits out of the man. And it says in verse number 15 and they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Why were they afraid? Because Jesus just fixed this problem that no man could fix. The man who had been totally out of his mind, an incurable mental disease, is now sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Why? Because that which was manifesting itself mentally was actually a spiritual problem. We actually have examples of this, folks, throughout the Bible. We, we find that there was even, a, at times, a, a deaf or a dumb spirit that the Lord would rebuke and someone would receive healing physically because of this. And sometimes that which is spiritual affects us physically. Let me say this also, though. That which is not only spiritual, but that which is emotional will affect you both spiritually and physically physically. Think about this. Have you ever gone through a time of deep tragedy and loss in your life? Is it not all-consuming? It, it, I mean, it, it controls everything. One of, one of the first things that I do in grief counseling and trying to help people who are going through times of loss is I say, listen, there are two things that you need to really seriously watch for and pay attention to. As you're dealing with this emotional problem... You need to watch your physical body and your spiritual life. You need to take care of yourself physically. You need to make sure that you're sleeping enough at night. You need to make sure that you're eating the right kinds of foods. You need to be putting the right nutrition in. Because your body will be affected. Oh, by the way, you better watch your spiritual life. Because in a time of loss, in a time of grief, you know what happens? You can become bitter, you can become angry, you can become distant from God. And this is no time to be becoming distant from God. You need to draw close to Him. Draw nigh to Him and He'll draw nigh to you. But you've got to focus on that and really work on that because you're not going to desire to. Let's just be real honest. When when we're grieving, when we're in deep sorrow, who wants to get up in the morning and read their Bible and pray? A lot of times our mind is so consumed with what's right in front of us, we can't even think clearly. By the way, if you have physical problems, and those of you who do deal with physical issues in your life, no, it affects you emotionally and spiritually, does it not? People who deal with chronic disease, chronic illness, you know what often goes along with that? Depression, anxiety. That's somewhat understandable. Discouragement. And oftentimes, a distance from God. I'm just saying, we're more interconnected a lot of times than we realize. It's not just the Spirit and it's not just the soul, and it's not just the body. These are not three distinct and separate parts that never interconnect and interact with one another. Actually, these are three parts uh, that, that make up who we are. And if one is affected, the others will be affected. I started, uh, a few years ago, I started going to the gym probably five or six days a week. And do you know why I started going to the gym? You say, well, to get in shape. I'm already in perfect shape. Have you seen me? What are you laughing for? No. Actually, that really wasn't the reason. That wasn't my primary motivation. You know what it was? Stress relief. Let me tell you something. Physical exercise is good for me mentally. It's good. It's, maybe, maybe it doesn't affect you in the same way it does me sometimes I've just got to let off some steam you know because that which is physical affects that which is emotional which affects that which is spiritual and all these things are interconnected uh, let, me, let me take you to another place let's go back to the book of Proverbs Proverbs chapter number 14 if you would Proverbs 14, verse number 30. Look what it says here. A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. A sound heart, in other words, we could say it this way, a stable life. Is the life of the flesh, but envy is the rottenness of the bones. You know what happens a lot of times when people get envious of other people or become bitter because of something that has happened and they've got resentment in their heart? It actually begins to affect them in other ways than just emotionally, it does affect them physically. Go forward a couple chapters, or three chapters, chapter 17. Look at this, verse 22. It says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. In other words, take care of your spiritual life, and your personal life, that which goes on in your heart, because it's going to affect you even physically. I'm just saying we're a very interconnected people. Individuals. And I think we sometimes maybe get caught in this trap of believing that we don't need to consider certain aspects of our life. As Christians, sometimes I think we're guilty of thinking, as long as everything is right spiritually, then I can let the other things go. And I'll I'll be the first to say, and I say this as someone who's looked in the mirror before, okay? Baptist preachers a lot of times have a reputation for being very physically unhealthy. Overweight, out of shape, okay. And I don't think that's necessarily an attempted neglect, but it's just the reality that sometimes and, and I'll tell you there there are reasons for it. Number one, there's a lot of stress in the ministry. Number two, there's a lot of busyness, and number three, a lot of the things that we do are not necessarily physical in nature. So the lifestyle itself lends itself to really kind of letting the body go because we're trying to pour everything into ministry and the spiritual side of life. That's a dangerous thing though, folks. We've got to take care of ourselves because the body matters too. This is the only vessel that I have to serve God with. And when it's done, I'm done. Right? But then I would have to say that much of the world... Spend so much time and effort and energy and even money trying to care for the things of this life and this body, never really takes the time to even consider the Spirit, and my relationship with God. And Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And so the, the purpose and the point of this message and really just trying to get us thinking in this way, is to say, between you and God, examine yourself. How's my health? Physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Am I allowing God to sanctify me, to set me apart for His glory in my spirit, In my soul and in my body. Am I holy gods? Am I holy sanctified? Remember the promise that we read there in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 24. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. If you will give it over to him and say, Lord, I want to glorify you in my body and in my spirit because they are yours. God will help you with that. By God's grace, may we yield it to him and say, Lord, I am yours and I want to please you in every possible way. I want to be wholly sanctified for your glory.